0: Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of SACLINE, Lindsay Klein.
1: Thank you for joining everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with SACLINE, S A K L I N E dot com. I have an awesome guest with me today. I am so excited to have Robert Ellis. He is an entrepreneur, the owner of Proelium Fitness. Did I pronounce it correctly?
0: That's correct. I did it.
1: <laughs> He's also a certified personal trainer and just an amazing all-around guy. Him and I met recently and had probably one of the most um, enriching face-to-face meetings that I've had. Like I went away from that meeting blessed. I will just say that. Um, I, um, I had homework too. And I remembered (laughs) it just this morning, you gave me homework for that meeting and literally as we're taking our notes for this show, I'm like, oh yeah, I was supposed to get that done, wasn't I? So I apologize. (laughs) I'm a terrible student. So, um, but we got to talking about this really interesting topic that I now am turning into a podcast episode because it's that good. Right. And it's that mind-blowing. Um, it's about basically failing well, which is an interesting topic. So get into that. Tell, okay. tell our people what you told me that day.
0: Okay, so when we were talking about some of the things that you've encountered and I shared some of my experiences I've yes. had, uh, what we really want to talk about is how we the developing a healthy relationship with failure. Okay? Because... It's just like anything else in life where it's a part of life that you have to deal with. Yeah. All right. You No matter what you do, you're going to fail. It's There's going to be things you miss out on. You don't get it right the first time. Uh, it, there are things you're going to fail, uh, things you don't understand you need to go back and work mm-hmm. on. Uh, and the way you approach that can be either very healthy, mm. enriching, and something that helps fuel and drive your progress, or it can be something that becomes this massive internalized stumbling block that comes back and it just constantly eats at you and tears at you from uh, from actually a subconscious level. Mm. So uh, that's basically the whole topic of the... You, Do you even remember what the homework was?
1: Well, I remember I was supposed to basically focus on my successes Uh and not my failures, right? Is that about in the nutshell what I was supposed to do? That's that's in the ballpark. At the end of the day, I was supposed to focus on what I did well that day, right? Is That's, that what it was? <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> you're good. All
0: right. So what we were talking about was being cognizant of your failures, being uh-huh. aware of them as yes. you do something that you that kind of like triggers that kind of pin twist, unpleasant mm-hmm. feeling that you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. You're cognizant of it. You draw it into your awareness, and uh, depending on the actual nature of it, the scale of that. That's going to depend on how you uh, actually react to that and what actions you take. Uh, but being cognizant of those, being aware of them, and being brave enough to handle that. Uh, but at the same time, recognizing your successes. You've got to recognize your success and build on that. That's every time, I mean, it doesn't matter how small that success is. That's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Every time you do something right, you really want to reinforce that so you can build on that. And that's something that uh, I've found as a trainer helping people in their fitness journey is someone usually has that latent ingrained stumbling block. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the big tricks that I use in helping my clients progress themselves and get to that level they want to be is we kind of pull that stumbling block into the light and we find it at some point we're going to find it and depending on on what it is when we pulled it out sometimes that's like unpleasant to deal with yeah and sometimes it's like i really would rather not think about that (laughs) i really would rather not do that but here's the thing uh You kind of got to think about it like you're that splinter in your side, Mm. you know, that splinter. If you ever get a splinter, uh, best case is it stays embedded, Mm. It stays embedded. And every time you brush up against it, it hurts. And then you start taking avoidance uh, patterns to avoid brushing up against that splinter. Uh, The worst case is it actually gets infected and it becomes septic. Okay, so the right. same the same principle lies mm-hmm. with when we avoid something. Hmm. So uh, in all this I, I go into some pretty good detail in the blog post that I wrote about that. Uh, that should be up now. And nice. I'm sure we're going to have that link.
1: Yeah, I can uh, link that. Absolutely. Okay, so if we can link yes. to that, yeah. that gives
0: a little bit more examination on it. And uh, I, I wanted to go go ahead and use that as a failure that I had recently,
1: mm.
0: something that kind of got me, and uh, how I reacted to that. So okay, that's, so what did you do? What I did, I lost a client. I, uh, I, I lost a potential client. And uh, that's, anytime you do that, anytime you don't make the sale, you don't close yeah. the deal, you don't get the new client, uh, you don't build that relationship, That's that doesn't feel good.
1: Yeah, you no, know? I completely understand so, that. And and if you're like me, you get a little bit, um, I guess, emotionally involved a little bit um, because you spend time with these people. Right. You get to know their situation. Um, you try to figure out ways to help them. Right. And so it's, it's difficult not to take it personally, um, even though I know... My bookkeeping company is not for everyone. It, right. You know, I'm not going to be a good fit for every single company out there, and I understand that. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying. Like, you can take it a little bit difficult because, like, you've already poured time into these people, and right. then, and, and it's even worse if they don't communicate. If it's just like they they're ghosting you, <laughs> like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's like that's my biggest complaint of the uh, 21st century is the ghosting. Yeah. Thing. It's not cool. <laughs> don't do that. Yes. Let's let's be honest because that yeah. helps that hel- yeah. helps us as a society as a whole. Be no, honest with the people. If you're not going to do business with someone, call them up and be like, "Hey, yeah. dude, no, it's not going to happen," yeah. you know? Uh but it's uh, and- not
1: an easy conversation to have, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's nice to let them know that 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 chapter has closed. And I right. know they don't need to pursue it anymore you know so just out of courtesy yes it is nice when you know for sure we've come to an end you know and maybe it's just an end right now you know maybe in the future it's something where we can do business but not at this moment
0: you know and the point to make here is how you're reacting to that if you react correctly to that situation when the client doesn't want to do business wants to go with someone else wants to go with another uh person uh you keep the channel open to where you can possibly re-engage with that client in the future. Of course, yes. Right? As opposed to flying off the handle, uh, behaving right. horribly, Don't and then you bridge. just it, you burn the bridge not just with that client, mm-hmm. but with everybody that client knows. Right. So uh, that's something exactly. where exactly developing that level of self-control is huge. It's critical. But to go back and touch on something you said when we were talking about that, you talked about the emotional involvement. Mm. All right? And uh, that's emotion is something that we're all subject to. We, we all feel things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we said before, not everything you're going to feel is pleasant. Not everything you're going to feel is good. Uh, but there is a tendency to when you have that bad emotion you want to get away from it yeah i want to get away from it and we're taught uh that you want to develop this positive mindset of nothing bad can touch me nothing i am i am immune to all that nasty icky bad emotion but that's just not true Mm -hmm. and that's something i mentioned in the blog post i had an emotional reaction to losing that client it's real. Yeah. It's in in one, like the splinter. You know, if I don't deal with it, as I realize that if I don't deal with it effectively, then it becomes embedded. So, right?
1: how would one effectively deal with a situation like that?
0: <clears throat> I, I, the thing that just scares the hell out of everybody, and that's vulnerability. Mm. Okay. Having having some degree of vulnerability, at least with yourself. If you if you're not ready to have that level of vulnerability with the people around you, if you're not really ready to have that level of vulnerability, so what would stay, that look
1: like? Would that look like you telling me right now how that made you feel? Is that what you're referring to? Like uh, acknowledging the emotion? Yeah.
0: Well. In this, in this context, in this moment, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm good with that uh, because I already laid the founda- foundation for that. Uh, the What it was in the moment was actually giving myself the time to feel it. Hmm. You know, I'm not going to push it away. I'm not going to kind of push it out of my mind. I'm not going to dwell on it either. I'm not going to just kind of like wrap up in right. this and be like, oh, why, I don't, I can't, I'm such a horrible person. How can I do this? But... Actually saying, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is legitimate. Then I go home. I write it down. I'm a big fan of name your demons. Write that down. Put it on paper. Get it out of your head because otherwise it just stays something that's kind of swirling around in my head and I just, it's there Mm -hmm. and then uh, I'll be doing something else and then it just kind of pops up and I'm like, oh. But when I find that I've said, all right, I've given myself the time to do this. I've I've given myself the time to feel that emotion. I've given myself the time to write down exactly what I'm feeling, what I'm feeling, why I feel that way. Then I'm ready to move on. And then I'm ready to get past that. Then I'm ready to uh, take on the next challenge, take on the next obstacle, and examine the situation objectively, all right. Interesting. Uh, w- once you can engage with it and, and examine the situation objectively, that get, puts you in a far more powerful position.
1: Okay, so comparing what you were thinking and feeling in the moment versus how you're looking at that situation now. What it, what's different about the way that you see it or think about it now as you look at it objectively?
0: As I look at it objectively, there were things that I could have done. There were things that I could have done in that situation that would have changed the possible outcome.
1: Okay. okay? Possibly would have changed Possibly
0: the Possibly could have changed the outcome. Nothing's for certain. It, it, I mean, it, what, what it hinged down to was uh, another trainer who charged the same as me willing to go to his gym in his apartment, which is a business model that I said, that's not my business model. I'm not doing that. The only way I can do that is if I charge a premium for a premium service. Mm. Uh, so uh, with that in mind, if it's the question of do I change my business model? Mm. To, 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 or do I just keep plugging on ahead? Could I have said something? If I'd have pulled that out of him. You know, if I'd have uh, actually stopped and asked the question when we were there, uh, would what are the considerations that you're uh, actually thinking about right now? I might be able to help you with that. All right. So
1: possibly come up with a different solution. Right,
0: and uh, if he'd have put that on the table, I'd have I'd have been compelled to look at him and say, "That's not my business model. Mm. That's not what I do." Uh, because I need to make myself available to more clients I need to be available to my other clients uh, otherwise I'd effectively have to charge you for two sessions to cover my travel time to and from right uh, I mean there there are actual logistical concerns that I have to take into account uh, and I think
1: every business owner encounters these situations where you know you can help a client but The way that they want to structure it doesn't fit, as you said, in your business model. Right. I often encounter that with my bookkeeping company, where either they want somebody to come into their office, like you were talking about, which is not our business model, we do everything remotely. Um, Also, if they're working off of different software and they want us to use their software, things like that right? you have to consider, okay, is this something that I want to take on? Because logistically, as you said, it changes the structure of how you're doing business and makes it less streamlined. Right. So I think this is something that a lot of business owners have to battle with. Do I lose this business or do I sacrifice my streamlined system? It's it's a it, it really is like it's a, a strategy you have to figure out what what am I doing right? How did so how did you decide you should have handled that?
0: Uh, what I should have done is, for one thing, there were a few things. There's other issues. I meant to bring that with me, uh, but there are other issues there. Like uh, he had health concerns. and He needed a uh, uh, medical release. I should have kind of mentioned that when we talked on the phone and said before we will do the consultation i need the medical release and i emailed him the the medical release should have been like before we do this i want you to experience the actual way i work the way i engage with my clients the things i do uh because that changes everything
1: so you could have worked with him in that first consultation had you had that is that i had
0: that medical release Ah. from him if he'd have gotten it to his doctor. So you're and,
1: learning your process and what needs to come first.
0: Right. And it's uh, it's not so much I'm re...
1: You're changing re, your
0: process. Re-changing. I'm, I'm t- tuning my process gotcha. is the way I like yeah. to think of it. Because that's a... Uh, especially when you're first starting out, that's part of it, is you're tuning in your process right. of how you work and how you do things. Uh, it used to be I when I worked for Gold's Gym where I would have just this vast base of potential clients where you just want to reach out to as many people as you can. You want to sit across from as many people as you can. So you're setting up as many of these appointments uh, consultations as you can. Uh, And then you're, So if they show up and, oh, they're on this medication, they're on blood pressure medication, I can't work with you until your doctor has signed off and said that it's okay for me to work with you if you're on the blood pressure medication because there's blood pressure medication does crazy things to you. When you start mixing that with exercise, you have to know what you're doing and what you're dealing with. Uh, At Gold's, it was great. I need you to get this signed by your doctor and then come back. And because they were engaging with the gym, they would get it signed by their doctor and come back. Uh, when you're dealing with uh, clients and you don't have uh, the big gym name, and you're right. not dealing with members of the gym, you're finding individual clients. It changes things yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it
1: does. Uh, so does so, that mean your strategy has to change?
0: Of course it does. Your strategy always has to reflect What you were doing. Your strategy has to reflect your business model.
1: Right. Uh,
0: And you have to be really careful about uh, tuning the strategy. When you start playing with that, you have to be really careful because if you're taking a very reactive position, you wind up find yourself thrashing in the water, you know, Mm -hmm. like that drowning victim who's just thrashing, uh, limbs going everywhere and all over the place as opposed to uh, if... You're consistently looking at the situation. And we go back to this. In this situation, it would have completely changed everything if he'd have uh, had that medical release before we sat down for the consultation. With that in mind, I asked the question, would it be better for every consultation if I knew if my client had those medical conditions and had the medical release for the consultation – the answer to that is yes. It would be better for my business, it would be better for my client, it would be better for everyone involved. And the doctors love it. They love seeing that come across. Oh, he's finally getting help. Yes. <laughs> don't don't do that. Don't kill him the first month, but after that, get him off the blood pressure medication, and then uh uh have fun.
1: But uh
0: so the so If I'm
1: hearing you correctly, it sounds like when you approach this situation, you you let yourself feel the negative emotions and you work through that. Right. Then you can look at the situation objectively and ask yourself, "How can I pivot to help this in the future not to happen?" Right? Is that's, that basically in a nutshell what you're doing?
0: That's basically in a nutshell what what I'm doing. And uh in the blog post I mentioned, something that I learned in the army called an after action review. All right? So, uh it may seem like all we did in the military is put on green suits and run around in the woods and <laughs> shit at each other. Then we pull pranks on each other and do all kinds of. It's uh, what, what branch of the military
1: were you in? I was
0: in the army. Okay. So, uh, but thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you. Uh, one of the tools that we use is something called an after-action review. And anytime we would do an engagement uh, that in training, and this is a training tool. Uh, we would stop after the training everyone gets around and takes off your helmet and you engage with the observer controllers and he goes around and he's asking pointing at people saying tell me something that went right with this operation what went right what did you do well who did something well nice and then what can we do better and that's how it's phrased it's not what did you guys mess up? Ah. Which, if you know military, that's a little bit coarser of a question yeah. in the military. But what, <laughs> not, it's not phrased like that where it's, what, what did you mess up? It's, what can we do better? And that opens up all kinds of doors. Of because uh, when you sit into a, a failure situation, there, there's so many times where, especially as a business owner, in this scenario, you lost a client. You, you lost this business. Maybe you needed the business. Maybe you're already overwhelmed, so it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. Mm. But whatever it is, there's that tendency to go with a, it's not me, it's them. Uh-huh. The problem's not with me, it's them. Uh, and that's that can definitely protect your ego. I mean, if you want to keep your ego strong and build that muscle, okay, cool, but at the same time, what's that doing for your business? Mm-hmm. Is it helping enrich, improve your business? Right. Is it helping you deliver value to your clients? And the answer is no. I mean, that, that's, there's always something you could have done. There's always something I could have done. So I go into this process of the after-action review. And I get a piece of paper and I write the name of the, the event across the so top
1: you're doing this every time you have a negative emotion about something
0: no this no? is this is something where it depends like i said it, it, the reaction depends on the scale okay you know? okay so if just I, like
1: the really tough stuff
0: yeah the tough stuff the stuff where i'm like this could be this could tank me in the future mm. if i had I a mean, string after string after string of lost clients what does that do to you psychologically in business I mean, psychologically, yeah, if you, continue, if you hit, hit there and you're like, oh, what is happening? This is so right. bad. Eventually, that drives you out of business. You go back to uh, working for somebody else and fulfilling their business model. If you aren't willing to deal with it, choke down your ego <laughs> side, uh, and deal with it, then uh, good luck. Okay, Good so you luck. get your paper out. So I get so my paper process? out. I uh, write the name of the event across so the So lost paper. client. Lost client. I lost this client. I draw a line down the middle. And on one side of the paper, I write, what did I do well? What can I do? On the other side, I write, what can I do better? What did I not do? Okay. And uh, those two questions are what fuels progress. Because as we said, at the very beginning of all this, what was your homework?
1: It was to focus on the successes. Right. But I don't remember the rest.
0: And become <laughs> cognizant of the failures that, okay. as, you, as they happen. Okay. All right. Uh, so that's what this tool does is this. Uh, by doing it this way, I reinforce the things I did right. Because you did something right mm-hmm. in that scenario. And there are things I did right. I'm meeting with this dude at 5.30 in the morning, and I brought the energy that I'm supposed to bring to that. Which, that's a challenge. Of course. When you drag your butt out of bed (laughs) at 4.30 in the morning, (laughs) and you're like, sweet, Jesus, why am I doing this? And you kick the cat out of the way and go get some coffee and... Prop the eyelids open with toothpicks, <laughs> battle your way to the gym, turn on all the lights, realize you're the only one there. <laughs> only one there. Uh, <laughs> but be fine, t- tapping in and saying, okay, it's, it's time to go to work. There you go. And you bring that energy. Uh, in, in this particular case, I brought the energy. I built a strong rapport with uh, this this dude. Uh, really wanted to work with him just because he was a really cool dude. It would if he was. He would be the perfect five thirty a.m. client. Nice. I mean, the one that you're like, I've got to get out of bed, but hey, I get to work with this dude, and it's gonna be great. Nice. Uh, the uh, other, other thing demonstrated. My technical expertise.
1: Nice. Okay,
0: because there's a lot of trainers out there that are people who follow the latest Insta model, the latest influencer, and that's what they're building their programming off of as opposed to accredited organizations like the American Council on Exercise, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, or uh, actual doctors in kinesiology and doctors in the field where... and it puts you on an entirely different level of the service that you're able to deliver to your clients. And you I, I, I demonstrated that to a degree. I see. Then we move over to the other column. I did not I did not ask, all right, what are the considerations that you're going to be looking at from the ability to help you with that? Okay. And this is something that I do uh in sales positions I've had in the past, uh, there's a lot of pressure from management to be like, if they walk away from here, you're not gonna get the sale. You need to close them right now. You need to get <laughs> their butt I in. I do like gym. that. And I don't like that either. I don't want somebody to do that to mm-hmm. me. No. And I have Treat this whole the
1: way you want to be treated. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So
0: I don't I that. do that with people. My objective is not to extract money from my client. Right. My objective is to, from the very first interaction, build that rapport, build that relationship. And add value. And add value. Um,
1: Yes.
0: But even with that being said, helping them make that decision, it's critical because he, now he's moved to a decision of, this dude will come to me, this dude wants me to come to him. Okay. Had I pulled that out, I'd have looked at him and I'd have said, all right, I understand where you're coming from, but we're talking about an extra 10 minutes of sleep. We're talking about an extra 10 minutes of effort. Is that really what you want to base a decision of this magnitude on? All right? So I'm going to ask you to think about Does this other trainer have the technical expertise? Does he have the experience training clients? Does he have the experience crossing the divide? Because that's one of the big things that I bring to the table is I've crossed the divide. I was 280 pounds when I was a sophomore in high school, and I hated every minute of it. Oh, wow. I I had a 42-inch waist. I was not strong. I felt horrible. I avoided mirrors. So... I bring that level of empathy to my clients. But nice. here's this dude making a decision <clears throat> where the only consideration is an extra 10 minutes of sleep. Is he going to choose an inferior trainer for the same price?
1: Well, and if he did, he'll probably be coming back.
0: Based <laughs> on how I handled it. So, yeah, but that's... Uh... So, I'm,
1: I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a situation with a potential client that I've been working with. Okay. Um, and I recently had a Zoom call with her where uh-huh. I went over sort of our processes, and there were specific questions she had that I showed her how it would work in our bookkeeping software. Um, and I had one of my employees come on the call, too, because he wanted to learn. So he asked if he could be there. So he was just observing. Um, so I thought the call went really well. Uh-huh. And, you know, but then we get the ghosting thing, right? right. We don't hear back, followed up, tried to call, nothing. Um, but my employee, thankfully, I you know, he, I try to keep a culture where we can be open with each other, right? So thankfully he he felt comfortable enough to tell me. He was like, um, can I tell you something? I said, yes, of course. (laughs) He said, you kept interrupting her.
0: I was like,
1: oh, I did not realize that. And he said, I think, you know, he said, yeah, it happened four times. Like, he actually counted. I'm
0: like, thanks, thanks. (laughs) It's
1: nice when someone's counting your mistakes, but no, I appreciated it. So, um, he said, yeah. And I could see by her body language that she was annoyed by it. I said, okay. So that was something that it was a blind spot, right? right. But, you know, okay. I, I understand. Obviously I got too excited or, you know, whatever it was. I, I thought I knew where she was going already or whatever right. it was. Um, so that was something that, okay, now I can look at it objectively and say, okay, now I realize I have a problem here need to pivot. I need to make sure I'm letting the clients finish their thought or anyone, not just my clients, but make sure I let people finish their thought before I jump in and start talking. So that's, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, okay, how could I look at that situation and use it to help me in the future? So that's going to be my takeaway from that situation.
0: Good. Good. (laughs) And that's once again, where you had, a situation that was a failure. And I'm sure when a client starts ghosting you, you're like, for me, if they're ghosting you, uh, whether it's a client, a relationship, something like that, it it triggers that anxiety feeling, that overanalyzation. You're like, why is this happening? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What did I do? Is it me?
1: Uh, And it may or may not have had anything to do with the interrupting perhaps right. it was something completely different who knows but i can at least look at that situation as you said and ask myself what can i learn from this to do better in the future
0: right and that's part of developing a healthy relationship with failure, failure. Uh, where you're like it's like anything else in life where you say this is a part of life that i have to learn to manage and deal with and i'm going to manage and deal with it effectively I'm going to go ahead and let myself feel that way. That's the first step. I'm going to let myself feel what I feel, uh, but I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm, then I'm going to objectively approach and assess what happened. And the fact that you have employees that are comfortable enough with you that they yeah. can bring voice a concern like that, uh, and then you react by going, oh, thank you, and you're grateful for that, that speaks volumes. For you, because we've all worked for people who do not have that reaction where if you bring (laughs) something to the table like that, then they're like, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, and they don't want to
1: do it again. Yeah,
0: and uh, no, yeah, that's
1: very important to me that we can have a culture where we can do that because I know I'm not perfect. I know I have blind spots. I know I have ways I can improve. Right. So I need help with that. So it was good to hear an outside opinion on how it went. When I'm thinking everything's good, but then realize that, oh no, there's this big thing you need to work on. So. That,
0: that, and that's cool. I mean, that's really cool that you have that going for you. So I definitely want to applaud you for that.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So hopefully in the future, I will get better about that. I think it's because <laughs> my mind goes so fast, like I'm 12 steps ahead already, you know? So it's like, I'm anxious to get there.
0: <laughs> right. And uh, that's. Something that happens, uh, that's just, once again, another part of life. So uh, learning to slow down, Yeah. learning to really focus on the moment, where you are, what's going on right here and now is a pretty good thing to do. Yeah. It, it's good to learn that. Uh, but it, it sound, sounds like you, you're we're making progress.
1: Yes, we're making progress. Now, one yeah. thing I think I probably could do better is focus on my successes because I think we all struggle with those failures, those things we did wrong, they get amplified in our right. minds and that's what we think about. So right. I like your strategy of think about your successes purposefully. Like right. intentionally think about those successes so that it's not just what you did wrong that you're focusing on. Right. And I like that. Now can I remember to do it? Apparently, I'm struggling <laughs> with that.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like, uh, and it's a matter of awareness. You start with awareness. Okay, that's the first thing. There's a stage uh, in uh, diagnostics, in troubleshooting, uh, where the first thing in any type of uh, problem solving is being aware that you have an issue. Mm, If you're completely oblivious to the nature of that issue, then that doesn't help. So as long as you're aware of it uh, and you're willing to look at the small failures and recognize them for what they are and say, okay, I really wish I hadn't done that. I'm going to focus on, and there's a way to integrate this. So you can do this where I really wish I hadn't done that. I'm going to focus on the time that I did the right thing in that situation. Right. Okay. And that's, a, that's another method of frame control where you're like, okay, I, I made this mistake here, but I know I've done it right in the past. So I'm going to slide. I'm going to focus on the times I've done it right in the past. I'm going to reinforce that. But if you weren't aware of the time that you failed that time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how are you going to make that connection to that behavior in the past? It's, this is all interconnected. Yeah. So you're trying to make these connections, and then that's where you're kind of redefining the frame.
1: That makes sense. So. And to build on what you're saying, I think also not fearing failure. Oh. Understanding you're... that failure actually can be a good thing. And I want to take from one of my personal heroes, Robert Kiyosaki. I love his books. Okay. And I've expressed that before, but... Um, he has this book called, um, I, and I'm going to butcher it probably because I can't remember, but it's something about um, why C students are the boss of A students. Have you heard of this?
0: Uh, well, this is a principle that I'm aware of, and I think it's something he touched about in his Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And it's been touched on by uh, a lot of uh, human potential gurus. And I, I can't pull one out of the air uh, but
1: basically the principle being that he talks about how C students that get the C grade that's what it's talking about right. you know get A's or C's um, so he was talking about how C students n- understand failure they've experienced failure right. they know what it's like to have the failure and still be okay uh-huh. whereas a students have never experienced that and they have there's so much more fear of the failure because, They've never had to deal with it. And so he was talking about how failure is good. You need failure. You can't learn to be resilient. You can't learn to pick yourself back up and and pivot and grow if you don't have failure. So he'd actually, I mean, basically his advice was fail more. The more you fail, the better you are, because you're hopefully, if you're doing it right, right. if you're feeling right, you're learning from it and growing from it.
0: If you're doing it correctly, yes. If you're, <laughs> if you're willing to be objective about what's happening, if you're willing to actually go through the processes of seeing that this happened and not ignoring it, then yeah. Uh, but that's a uh, that's very characteristic of that achiever model where someone who all I do is achieve. All I do is succeed. That's the only thing I'm capable of. Uh, and that's, there's a, that puts a cap on their potential that puts a threshold of right. once you get, once you get beaten, you're beaten mm. as opposed to someone. And I can tell you from my personal experience, I have been knocked down. I have been beaten down. I have been kicked around more times than I can count. Mm. Uh, But I just have it very much in my mind. When that happens, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to find a way, and I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it. That's good. Uh, It's like, so, I mean, if you're... if you can't wrap your mind, if you're in those situations where you can't wrap your mind around, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to do this, just be hard to kill. <laughs> just be really hard to take out of the game. Be like, I may not be the one who wins this one, but you're not going to win either. <laughs> All right? uh, but just the the thing, the biggest thing is making sure that we don't attach Failure to our identity.
1: Oh, that's good. Okay. I like that.
0: That's uh, that because, uh, and then once again, that's something that happens with the ego, where mm-hmm. we take situations, habits, uh, things that happen around us, and instead of say, recognizing it as, this happened, this is a situation that happened, this is something I did, this is a behavior I exhibit, we say, I am this thing. All right? All right. Um uh, I could never learn to do a push-up. Uh I couldn't I never had that upper body strength. Every time I tried, I failed. Uh so I'm a bad athlete. I'm a bad mm. I'm bad at sports. I'm just not a physical person. And when you attach that failure to your identity, mm. oh that's so much harder to Because That's taking
1: it the next step, right? You're going from this happened to this is who I am.
0: That's right. And that is uh, something that happens when you don't deal with it, when you don't Mm. go through the cognitive processes of saying this happened. This is an event that happened. I feel this way Mm. because of this event. This is the either the action I can take to correct this in the future, this is a time I've done it correctly in the past, and I know I'm going to focus on that and I'm going, going to do that. If you just kind of avoid the situation altogether, you kind of push that down and it attaches to your identity, and then it becomes a repetitive process. We go back to the dude who's constantly losing clients mm. because he won't sit down and dial in on the situation itself. Mm. I know this because I was that dude at one point. Okay. It happened. It was when it finally dawned on me. Okay. I've got to sit down and focus on what's going on here to really do this. So uh, that's where failure is nothing to be afraid of. No. But it's something you've got to recognize for what it is. And that's where you get the healthy relationship as opposed to, I'm not afraid to fail, and then uh, you, don't be stupid about it. Right, don't, right. Don't Learn be, from it. Yeah, don't Learn from it. Yeah, don't be going rushing off, YOLO, let me jump off this cliff, <laughs> all right? Don't Stop. be that dude.
1: It made me think of something else, too. I had a um, college professor that talked about how there's actually been scientific studies done to prove that your brain is going to find evidence for whatever you tell it. Yes, So, if you're telling yourself, I am, whatever, taking identity with it, right? I Um, suck. I am not good. I Whatever it is, I'm ugly. Whatever you're telling yourself, your brain is, according to her, finding evidence for what you're saying. And it will basically go back in history and go, oh, yeah, see, there was this time when that happened. And it's finding evidence. Whereas, if you're doing the self affirmations right P- focusing on your right. successes then the opposite would be true right your brain's finding evidence for that success right so i I've, I've never forgotten when she said that so i really have tried to be cognizant of my self talk not that i've perfected this to any degree <laughs> but I, I at least am cognizant and aware of whenever i'm telling myself something negative wait now my brain's gonna find evidence for that, and right. I don't want that. So, even one of my employees the other day made a mistake, and said, "Oh, that was so stupid," you know. And he's saying his name with it. I was like, uh-uh, I'm like that's my employee you're talking about right there. We're not gonna talk right. to him about him that way." You know, even he's talking about himself. But, um, you know, just trying to be cognizant that what we're saying to ourselves matters. Oh, that's and we've got to change our own self dialogue. That
0: is, I mean, uh, that was big enough that uh, Shad Helmsetter re- wrote a book about it. What do you, what to say when you say to yourself? Which oh, is oh, interesting. A, I haven't read that one. That it's one of the. I. I don't like the term self help. I like the term personal growth uh, okay, because I kind of changed the lens, uh, the connotation that you have of it. Uh-huh. But it was one of the first personal growth books I was out there, I want to say in the 80s or the 70s. But he talks all about self-talk, hmm. how you d- interact with yourself, how you discuss things, talk to yourself, and uh, how critical that is to how you view yourself and interact with the world around you. Uh, but you're 100% on point. And uh, the... To take that to another level, uh, the way I really effectively deal with that is I focus on a purpose. I keep my focus on the purpose itself as opposed to me. So uh, that makes it a lot easier for me to separate the ego there where I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then it's a matter of those objective questions of, Is what I'm doing right now reinforcing the purpose that I'm seeking to Mm -hmm. serve? And if the answer is no, okay, well, you got to be honest with that. You got to go take those actions. I like that. But that's, and actually, that's the first, because the blog that posts there, that's part of a bigger series that I'm writing right now about mental toughness. Nice. Which is something we talked about. Yeah. Uh, But the first aspect of mental toughness and the first uh, article in that blog is going to be the, uh, finding a purpose, mm-hmm. identifying a sense of purpose, and then reinforcing that purpose. So I like it. Uh,
1: that's you know, awesome. That's
0: a whole other conversation yes. then and there, yes. but it does tie back to uh, to tie it back to what you were saying about uh, you find those beliefs that add into it. When you have a sense of purpose, then your mind is a goal seeking. Entity. Nice. It is automatically like going to look for things that fulfill that purpose. It's going to find things. It's going to go and do this. And this happens in crazy ways. Like, I, I've had sleepless nights where I get up and I just Google something and start following this chain down uh, YouTube, and then I find something oh boy. amazing. <laughs> find something that I'm like, oh, okay, this is a person that I've got to follow. follow. This is a person that I've got to. Uh, uh, get with and uh, that's another level of certification to go. Yeah. And it helps me uh, f- define my product and the service that I provide to my clients. And bills, but it's th- having that sense of purpose and making that foremost your body your mind is autom- automatically going to look for ways to bring that in right. and uh, to right. integrate that into your life. So I mean, it's it's crazy how it works, but that is the first thing in developing any sense of mental toughness. It goes right along with what nice. we're talking about. And it also helps you cope with failure. Yeah, because when you're, awesome. When you have that sense of purpose, okay, I failed this time, but I'm still pursuing this. How am I going to get there? So, uh, so if
1: we could boil all of this down mm-hmm. to some simple steps, it's right. I would say A... Don't fear failure.
0: Don't, don't be afraid.
1: Don't be afraid of it. When it happens, let yourself feel the negative emotions.
0: Give yourself that time. Give yourself that time. Not dwelling, but we're feeling right.
1: it. Let, our, let ourselves feel it. And then look at it objectively. What actually happened? What can mm-hmm. I improve upon? How can I pivot?
0: And what did I do right in that situation ah. so I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: All right. So what did I do Right. What can I improve on? Yes, ma'am. I like it. All right, tell everyone how they can find you.
0: Uh, I'm online at proeliumfitness.com. Now you need to spell I, that <laughs> uh, proelium, P R O E L I U M, fitness.com. Uh, you can reach me uh, through the links through here to my website uh, to schedule an appointment with me. I'm training out of the Trainer's Gym in Richardson, Texas. Uh, You can find me through that gym, or you can reach me by phone at 972-775-0593.
1: Thank you so much for coming today. This has been a really great conversation. I've learned a lot, even though we already had this discussion. (laughs) Every time I talk with you, I learn. So thank you for coming. I, really I appreciate
0: you. it. Thank you for having me.
1: And everyone can find me at Sakline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com, or email at info at sakline.com. And of course, we're always here to help anyone that may have bookkeeping needs. And the phone number is 214-396-5020. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Have an awesome week.
0: Buy the Books is presented by Secline. Honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Secline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit Secline.com or email info at Secline.com.
1: The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.